Pastor Xavier Reese illustrates faith in action on today's Simple Truths. There was a man one time walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he's on one and he says, how many of you think I can push this wheelbarrow across this Niagara Falls? Everybody's going, yeah, yeah, the whole crowd. He looks over to the one man and says, get in the wheelbarrow. Christians say a lot of things today. They worship with the masses. But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, they say, no way. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Gospel of Mark, Chapter 2. We come to a familiar story of three types of people that came to see Jesus. First, there was the paralytic, the helpless one. His friends who carried him there, helpful ones. And some skeptical scribes, the hapless ones. And as the narrative unfolds, Pastor Xavier considers the faith each of them came with versus the faith they left with as he makes a challenge to examine your own faith after encountering the Savior, the healing one. Now we pick up this simple truth study with our text for today. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Jesus has just crossed the Sea of Galilee and abode, and he's come to his own city, Capernaum. We know that when Jesus began his ministry, he made Capernaum the center of his ministry. It was a very key city in that it laid on the border of the Galilee Sea, there where the north and south roads and the west and east roads were main roads of Rome. And many Gentiles and many people would come. And it was from there that Jesus went out and ministered. Now he's been preaching. He's been healing. The crowds are focused in on him. And he's not able to move freely about openly in the city any longer. And so he returns to Capernaum. And verse 1 says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. But some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go your way to your house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. In this passage here of these 12 verses, we have 
a picture of how God reaches out to sinners. In the first two verses, we see that God reaches out to sinners by preaching the word of God. Now, God could have chosen many other ways to save mankind. He could have chosen angels to appear to individuals and preach the gospel or announce salvation. But he didn't choose that. He could have chosen a human system by which man would have to come through. But he didn't do that. He could have even chosen to appear himself to every person in a physical way, but he didn't choose that. He chose the preaching of the word to reach out to sinners. The word of God is God's revelation of himself, the Bible tells us. Paul the Apostle tells us in Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 11 through 14, that Man knows what is in man, but man does not know the things of God. Only the Spirit of God knows the things of God, and therefore we freely receive those things of God as they are revealed to us by the Spirit. You see, if it wasn't for God's Word, we would know absolutely nothing about God. Every system of man, every philosophy, every religion that dares to speculate or go beyond or short of the Bible reveals nothing about God. God is transcendent. He's beyond our finding out or beyond our understanding. If we're ever going to know anything absolutely about God, something you can trust, then God will do it through the revelation of His Word. Because in his word, he has allowed us to see who he is, how he acts, and why he acts. It is God's record of himself. The reference to the word in verse 2, it's the word logos. The very same word in the Gospel of John where it says, In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and God was the word. And in verse 14 of John's Gospel, in chapter 1, he says, And the Word became flesh, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so here we have the person of Christ, the living Word. And that is why in Hebrews, in chapter 1, he says that God at different times and in different ways and manners, He spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken unto us through His dear Son. The ultimate revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And so God reaches out to sinners, first of all, by His Word. He has used His Word to reach sinners. That isn't the most favorable when you talk to man. As a matter of fact, sometimes I think it's pretty foolish, pretty silly. It seems beyond credibility. But secondly, the Word of God is God's method of convicting man from his sin. Because it proclaims God's absolute standard. You see, men have different kinds of standards. And so you look at religions, you look at philosophies, and, and, and they all have different levels of morality, different ethics, different rights and wrongs. But the Word of God 
is God's method to give us a standard for conviction. It is absolute. Whether you're Caucasian, you're Mexican, you're black, you're Oriental, whatever you are, God presents to you the very same standard that he presents to all. God does believe in absolutes. And when we hear the word of God and we see ourselves falling short of that standard, then the Bible says that the spirit of God and the word of God bring conviction to our heart. Because we come to grips that there is a standard that God cares about. If you take man's philosophies, man's religions, then you will gravitate to one that is meeting your standards, the way you think, the way you believe. But when you look to God's word, you have to agree with its standards. It's nothing like what man would bring about. And that's why Paul says to the Romans that it is through the gospel of Jesus Christ that righteousness is revealed from faith to faith. And so he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Because it is an absolute standard that God requires of every man and every woman. It is that word that is not only quick, but it's living. Sharper than any two-edged sword, Hebrews 4, 12, and 13 says. Dividing asunder the soul and the spirit. That which is of man and that which is of God. And is a discerner of the intents and the thoughts of the heart. And so as men and women hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the Spirit of God makes that word alive, they come under conviction, realizing for the first time that there is an absolute standard. That there is a standard that has been declared by God and that man falls short of it. The word of God is also said to be very simple. Notice the word preached there in verse 2. It is the word which means simply to speak. It's not the word caruso, to proclaim. It's not the word to evangelize, but it's the word to speak. So often we feel that we have to mess with God's word. We have to be very educated. We have to be very schooled. We have to be very uh, knowledgeable. But yet here, Jesus just spoke the word. I think our greatest failure is to just share with people what we know to be true about God. God is not so concerned of how much I know as much as making use of what I know. God is not concerned that I try to persuade men because I can't. God is just concerned that I share what he has revealed to me about him in the simplicity of just speaking the word of God. And you would be amazed at what God can do as you just share the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. God doesn't require you or myself to be a theologian. For remember that that demoniac that he left back on the other side at Gadara. He says, let me go with you. He says, no. Go back and tell all of what God has done for you. Oh, but wait a minute, Jesus. He's never had a witnessing class. 
He's never been through the new believers class. Lord, he has to be grounded first. No. Jesus said, go back and share what God has done in your life. One of the tragic things about the church today is that certain people are always getting ready, but they're never doing anything. And they've been saved 5, 10, 15 years, and they're still getting ready. What are you getting ready for, the rapture? When the Lord takes you home, you say, Lord, I was getting ready. He says, yeah, I, I know. What you possess in your life, directed to what God did in your life, is of more power than anything that you can imagine. For you have experienced the living God. And you can share that in simple words and allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to do the work of God and not feel that you're responsible to do it. You and I can save no one. You better thank God for that. <laughs> because if you and I could save somebody, they'd be lost the next day. When you hear God's Word, you can be sure that it is the truth about God and not man's philosophy. So you can share it simply. Paul warns the Colossians in Colossians 2.8, Beware lest any man cheat you through philosophy, through traditions of men. Just share the simple truth of God because you can be sure that it is the absolute truth about God. That's why we study the Bible here. We don't write up a magazine or a little thing for the Sunday. We just have you turn to the Bible and we're already not of the same text. Because that's the only truth we can draw from. When you hear the word and conviction comes to your heart, then it causes you to realize that there is an absolute standard and that you fall short of it. There is an absolute standard. Truth and morality is not relative. There are absolutes. God cares very much for absolutes. And only the Spirit of God and the Word of God can bring that to your heart and cause you to see yourself how separated you are from God and your need of God. I can't do that. No person can do that. Only the Word and the Spirit of God can do that. And when that happens, then I can confess my sins and he will be faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. As a Christian, as I abide in the word of God and as I hear and as I fellowship and as I pray and as I study and I see that I have fallen short in an area, then I have an advocate, a lawyer for the defense, 1 John 2, 1 says, to make intercession for me that I confess and stay right with God for fellowship. And so it's an ongoing process. It's not a matter of being saved and that's it. I do nothing. No. There is a continual cleansing that goes on in my life as I abide in Christ Jesus and examine my life and make sure that I'm being a doer of the Word of God. So when God opens the door to share God's Word, don't worry how little you know. Just speak it and God will honor it. I remember when my brother and I were first born again. We didn't know anything. 
But we just shared the simple truth. We knew we were born again. We knew that God had changed us. We knew we weren't the same. And we just shared that simple truth that Jesus Christ had come to die for the world. And it was amazing what God did. The simplicity. Powerful testimony. God honors that. Some of you need to get your eyes off of those who are eloquent of speech. Those who have more education than you. And you need to realize that God desires to use you right where you're at. He has chosen you to be the instrument of God's message. And God will reach out to many sinners through the word, through you. But he wants you to be open. There is a harvest out there. Jesus says, don't, don't say there's three or four months left to harvest. Look out. The fields are white. And then he said, pray to the Lord of harvest that he send labors. Are you praying for God to send labors in this body? Are you praying that God would send labors to the body of Christ at large? And then are you saying, Lord, begin with me? If you're praying, but you're not saying send me, then you're not really praying in faith. Because you have to be open to be part of God's answer and to be used. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, the weak things to confound the things that are mighty. And so study the church history. Throughout church history, God has just blown the minds of natural men because he has used regular, common, normal people like you and myself Look around you. There's not many mighty here. Not many noble. And God has chosen you and myself to reach a dying world. In verses 3 through 5, we see that God reaches out to sinners by faith. The faith that God honors is active faith. Verse 3 and 4, they came, they brought the paralytic, they were carrying them, these four men. And they would, when they could no longer come near the house because it was crowded, there was not even any room at the door, they got up on the roof, they broke it open, and they lowered him from the rooftop. The faith that God honors is active faith. These four men heard about Jesus. And they brought their friend to see Jesus. They responded to what they heard. They didn't just hear and says, well, you know, there'll be another time. Secondly, the faith that God honors is not easily discouraged. They could have looked at that crowd and says, oh, we can't even get in the door. Forget it. Let's just go back. I'm sure he'll be around another time. Tomorrow's promise to no man. They could have said, you know what? We can't get through because of him. Let's leave him here and all of us go in there. They were concerned about others. And so their faith was active, but their faith was not easily discouraged. We need to understand that. There was not even room at the door anymore. Those, that's a detail that only Mark gives us. It was packed out. Now, in those days, the houses, the door was always open. That lets you know that you can come anytime. 
But after the sun went down or shortly after, the doors would be closed and that meant, you know, don't disturb us. Because the houses were flat inside and then there would be a raised platform towards the end and the family would sleep up there with the fire. All the animals would be brought in and they would be on the lower level so that nobody would steal them. Now, if anybody came knocking once the door was closed, the animals would be all stirred up. Everybody would wake up. Now you understand the parable where the guy came asking for bread and said, hey, go away. We're all asleep. And yet, Jesus was probably up in that raised platform because the house was packed. He's sharing the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And these guys look over. They can't get through. And they see the stairs because all those homes had stairs from the outside. They can get to the rooftop. And they got up and they figured out whereabouts he would be. And they get up on the roof and said, yeah, about right here is where he's at. And they start tearing that thing apart. They start pulling the baked tiles with the branches and, 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 the, and the shrub that's, that's used with, with mud over the beams. Now, how would you feel if you were the owner of the house? <laughs> and as they're doing that, I can see Jesus up in that raised platform. And they, you know, they were probably right over his head. And stuff began to come down. And he looks up. And here they are, they're dropping this guy with his bed and all. It was just a straw-filled mattress. One in poverty. And yet as Jesus looked upon him, I'm sure he did not look with disgust. He didn't rebuke them. But he honored it. Because he says there in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, the faith that God honors is that which he alone can see at times. You see, he saw that their faith was genuine. Now, there were many people coming around Jesus that were only looking for a miracle. They were only looking for a meal. But though these men were bringing their friend to be healed, he saw their faith was genuine, not just for the healing, not just for what God could do for them, but they believed of who he was. And God looks upon your heart, and God looks upon my heart, and he knows whether our faith is genuine or whether it is just to get something from God. It's an act of faith that he honors. I hear many people say, oh, I believe in the Lord. Oh, I believe it. He can do anything. But they're very passive. Their faith is not active. They profess a lot of things, but there's no real possession from what I can see. Now, that doesn't mean that my conclusions are right. Because God looks upon your heart and my heart, and He can see whether it's genuine faith. But God has allowed us as Christians to be able to judge our faith, whether it's active or passive, by what happens in our life. There was a man one time walking a tightrope across Niagara Falls. And he's on one and he says, how many of you think I can push this wheelbarrow across this Niagara Falls? Everyone's going, yeah, yeah, the whole crowd. He goes on there, he does it. He gets to the other side and he says, how many of you think I can do it again? The whole crowd, yeah, yeah. He looks over to the one man and says, Get in the wheelbarrow. The man didn't get in. His faith was not active. He didn't truly believe. Christians say a lot of things today, but they don't act. Oh, they cheer with the crowds. They worship with the masses. 
But when it comes to the rubber meeting the road, they say, no way. And that's where it counts, people. Pastor Xavier Reese, encouraging an active faith in today's Simple Truth study drawn from Mark chapter 2. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, How God Relates to Man. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, How God Relates to Man. Or simply mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com